0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, PVD after cataract extraction. First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now, If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. Modern cataract extraction techniques allow patients to bounce back pretty quickly after surgery. But those of us who perform cataract extraction, or for that matter, any ocular surgery, understand how to manage patient expectations if the healing process is on the slow side. Corneal edema is slow to resolve. The foreign body sensation Refractive error on the first few days postoperatively, most of us don't break a sweat as long as we're confident that the procedure was performed properly and that it's only a matter of time for the patient to achieve an excellent result. But if there's one symptom that raises a flag, it is a patient's complaint of a new floater. Although sometimes the symptom does represent a real problem, we know full well that most of the time the floater was either extant but asymptomatic before surgery or that the patient has had a posterior vitreous detachment. But what exactly is the relationship between cataract extraction and the development of a posterior vitreous detachment? Taichi Hikichi from the Atsuka Eye Hospital has just published a study looking at precisely this. I found the study interesting and relevant and requested an interview with him for this podcast. Dr. Hikichi provided his answers in the form of text, and I will read them to you along with my questions in today's program. Prior to your study, what was known about the relationship between cataract extraction and posterior vitreous detachment? In eyes that underwent intracapsular cataract extraction and extracapsular cataract extraction techniques, with dissection of the posterior lens capsule, posterior vitreous detachments have been reported to develop more frequently compared to eyes that underwent extracapsular cataract extraction with an intact posterior capsule. The introduction of the phacoemulsification technique seems to have lowered the risk for postoperative retinal detachments, especially in those cases in which the posterior capsule remains intact. However, some reports have found that the risk of retinal detachment after phacoemulsification was similar to that of extracapsular cataract extraction. Increased volume of the vitreous cavity after cataract extraction and postoperative inflammation have been suggested to induce the development of a PVD. Is posterior vitreous detachment the mechanism by which retinal detachments arise most commonly after cataract extraction? Yes, the development of posterior vitreous detachment is a main cause of regmatogenous retinal detachment after cataract surgery. As you know, PVD is generally caused by the aging process of the vitreous and is a main cause of regmatogenous retinal detachment in older people. Was there any reason to believe that posterior vitreous detachment occurred at a different frequency after uncomplicated phacoemulsification surgery as opposed to uncomplicated extracapsular cataract extraction? Complicated cataract surgeries have a higher risk of developing retinal detachment compared to uncomplicated ones. Vitreous herniation and incarceration into a surgical incision make a tractional force into the peripheral retina, which will be another cause of occurrence of retinal breaks. What question did your study seek to answer? The question of my study is whether phacomulsification has decreased the incidence of postoperative retinal detachment. To answer this question, I focused on when PVDs develop after phacomulsification. Can I get you to describe the design of your study? Of 1,278 eyes of 964 patients without a history of ocular surgery, intraocular inflammation, blunt trauma, or retinal disease predisposing the patient to PVD, such as diabetic retinopathy and high myopia, we investigated those patients who underwent phacoemulsification and aspiration-combined with intraocular lens implantation. 623 eyes were confirmed to not have PVD preoperatively. Of these eyes, three had a capsular rupture, and therefore 620 eyes of 443 patients who did not have a PVD preoperatively and underwent an uneventful cataract surgery were studied postoperatively. Preoperative examinations were performed on the day of surgery in all eyes. Patients examined the day after surgery, one week, one, three, six, and 12 months postoperatively, and then every six months for three years postoperatively until a PVD developed. The patients were instructed about the need to consult a clinician immediately if he or she saw floaters and or flashes. Please describe your surgical technique. All phacoemulsification surgeries were performed under local anesthesia. After a superior conjunctival peritomy was created, a superior 2.3 to 3.0 millimeter posterior limbal incision was made. After creation of a continuous curvilinear recess, phacoemulsification was followed by aspiration of the cortical remnants using the legacy 20,000 or infinity vision system from Alcon. A foldable acrylic IOL was then implanted. No sutures were used to close the incisions. How was the determination of the presence or absence of the posterior vitreous detachment made? The vitreous condition was studied biomicroscopically with a 90-diopter lens. The entire vitreous cavity was observed before and after swift vertical and horizontal ocular movements. If the vitreo-retinal relationship was obscured preoperatively due to cataract, B-scan ultrasonography was performed to evaluate the vitreo-retinal relationship. I had learned the technique of dynamic observation of the vitreous using biomicroscopy, when I was a fellow at the Scapin's Eye Research Institute in Boston. Therefore, I've been using this examination technique to evaluate the vitreo-retinal relationship. What were your findings? What were your results? The main outcomes of my study are as follows. The cumulative numbers and percentages of eyes that developed PVD were 6, 1%, 18, 3.1%, 31, 5.4%, 45, 7.8%, 63, 11%, 88, 15.3%, 106, 18.4%, 133, 23.1%, and 172, 30% within one week, 1, 3, 6, 12, 18, 24, 30, and 36 months, respectively. 11, meaning 6.4% of the 172 eyes in which PVD developed during the follow-up period, had new retinal breaks with or without retinal detachment. 8, 15.4%, of 52 eyes with lattice degeneration, and 3, meaning 2.5% of 120 eyes without lattice degeneration, had retinal breaks associated with PVD. These percentages were significant, P equals 0.003. The results suggest that the development of PVDs may accelerate after fecal emulsification and linearly accumulate for three years postoperatively. About 6% of eyes with a PVD had retinal breaks, and eyes with lattice degeneration had a 6.2-fold higher risk of developing retinal breaks associated with PVD. Long-term follow-up is needed after phacomulsification is performed. Were there any conditions that predispose patients to retinal detachment after PVD? I think that you mentioned this in the answer to the last question. Yes, eyes with lattice degeneration had a higher risk of developing retinal breaks associated with PVD. Since the vast majority of patients in this study who developed PVDs postoperatively did so in the context of an intact posterior capsule, What do you think the mechanism is behind the PVD? Although the mechanism of acceleration of PVD development in eyes after cataract extraction is unclear, the increased volume of the vitreous cavity after surgery, resulting in decreased density of the vitreous components, such as collagen and hyaluronic acid, might induce instability of the vitreous gel and consequent development of a PVD. Inflammation resulting from surgery might promote the development of a PVD. Ocular inflammation and oxidative stress have been reported to induce degradation of hyaluronic acid and cross-linkage of vitreous collagen. Given the results of this study, is there any new counseling we should give our preoperative patients? I generally warn my patients with lattice degeneration that detachment is more likely is there anything else that I should be doing? The most important thing is an education of the patients. The patients should be instructed about the need to consult a clinician immediately if he or she sees floaters and or flashes, which can increase the opportunity to detect retinal breaks before retinal detachment does occur. Prophylactic laser treatment to lattice degeneration may be another option to reduce risk for developing retinal detachment, but prophylactic treatment has not been confirmed in its efficacy. Taichi, I hope that you're listening to this podcast so that I can say to you, thank you very much, or domo arigato. And uh, I'll say that Taichi has written to me here. It is my great honor that. Uh, Professor Young is interested in my article published in Ophthalmology, and I appreciate that you give me a chance to introduce my work to the ASCRS members. Thank you very much, and Domo Arigato. Teichi Hikichi comes to us from the Otsuka Eye Hospital in Sapporo, Japan. His paper, Time Course of Development of Posterior Vitreous Detachment After Facal Mulsification Surgery, appears in the October 2012 issue of Ophthalmology. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your Media Center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the Media Center, or better yet, Join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the Media Center, visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package, or better yet, join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Hikichi or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jayoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.